1 Corinthians chapter 12. We finished our series on uh, our, our values as a church. And the last one that we did was we pursue the gifts of the Spirit. We desire and we pursue the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Well, because the Scripture commands us to. And last week was such a blessing. I loved having Pastor Ken here and Mike and Donna Mills. Their wisdom, their experience. Uh, they were so refreshed as well. They, uh, Pastor Ken told me again later, he was like, man, y'all are, y'all are special. Um, talking about Salt Church, he's like, it, it was just a joy to be with you guys. And, and I thanked him again. I said, you know, I didn't make a big enough deal of it that, that you came. You know, he said goodbye to Lighthouse for the day. You know, he said, like, he, he came to be with us. So that was, a, that was a blessing that he was willing to do that, of course, and, and come pour into us. So he's praying for us all the time and cares a lot about us. He and I meet every single week. I don't know if I told you all that, whether it's by Zoom, mostly by Zoom nowadays, <clears throat> by Zoom or in person, and just continually speaking in, speaking into Salt Church to bless us and to encourage us and to help me to grow as I need to. So I was thankful for that. So last week, of course, he talked about the baptism in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And what we're going to do now is we're starting our series on the gifts of the Spirit. So we're going to take the next three weeks today and then the following two weeks, and we're going to walk through these nine different gifts so we can understand them, so we can demystify them, so we can take out any confusion or complexity, and we can actually start to enjoy them. Because we don't want to just preach on it and say, we believe in the gifts. Well, we definitely do, but we also want to experience that fruit. So that's a, that would be a, a rut that we could fall in, that some have fallen into, like, we believe it because it's in the scripture. Yeah, do we ever experience any of that? Well, no. Well, why not? Well, it's as the Lord wills. Well, like I've said before, there's a strange correlation between those who seek these things and those who receive those things. There's a strange correlation between those who knock at the door and for those who the door is open to. So obviously there, there does require some effort and some desire. It's interesting, though. Oh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's, let's go right into the scriptures. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Another translation would often say, I don't want you to be ignorant. So we understand that Paul had at least written one other letter to the Corinthians before 1 Corinthians. The Holy Spirit did not make that, did not make that letter a part of Scripture, um, a part of the, the canon, these 66 books that we have. But he references that. He says, as I wrote to you before... And then they had seen, it seems like they had written back and asked him some questions. And it seems as though 1 Corinthians, Paul is answering a lot of questions. He's saying, now concerning spiritual gifts. It seems almost as though some theologians would think that they were asking about it. Hey, so here's what's going on in service. Here's what's happening during our times of worship. Like everybody's prophesying. It's going like this and that and the other. And Paul's like, okay, now concerning spiritual gifts, I don't want you to be uninformed. I don't want you to be ignorant. So they were already very familiar with receiving these gifts from the Holy Spirit. They were not unaccustomed to those things. So what did he mean when he said, I don't want you to be ignorant? They understood them. They were operating in them regularly. People were prophesying. People were having words of knowledge, words of wisdom, gifts of healings, tongues, and interpretation. It was popping off in the Corinthian church. So 
what they, <clears throat> they were familiar with receiving them and they were familiar with operating in the gifts. So Paul, what does he do? He brings clarity around the purpose of the gifts because maybe they weren't too clear on that and some structure around the operation of the gifts. They knew how. So Paul's like, hey, let me make some corrections and, and just bring some helpful structure here. Let's, let's build some trusses and some support to this good thing that the Lord is doing. So because of the angle that he takes, whereas he's in some ways dialing it down, it seems, a lot of the body of Christ reads that and says like, mm, Paul's really kind of down on the gifts. That's not the case at all. If we, if we read 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, uh, of course, 1 Corinthians 13 is in between there, but he's uh, ta- talking about love and he's emphasizing the gifts are to be exercised in love for one another. Uh, we can see that this is obviously what the Lord wants. We can see in the book of Acts that this is what the Lord wants. We can see in the ministry of Jesus that this is what the Lord wants. So what are we going to do, though, today and in our coming weeks? Well, we already have structure, all right? We're not in any kind of excess. We're not wilding out around here. It's not, man, we got to really settle it down with the gifts in Salt Church. Like, everybody's going crazy. Uh, we, we, we don't have to dial anything back. What we need to emphasize and what we're going to emphasize is receiving the gifts, operating in the gifts, and understanding the purpose of the gifts, but we don't have to worry, like Pastor Ken had said, like I had said, the training wheels are on. And this is, um, you know, if the Corinthian church was over here, woo, Buckwild, the disco lights are going, you know, our rut our, in the modern church is going to tend towards be somewhere over here where we're just like, let's be careful. Let's not, let's not, let's not get into anything crazy. Maybe we should just be right in the middle of the road. Let's avoid that ditch. Let's avoid that ditch. Let's have some life. You know, wherever there's life, there's messes, right? You got life in your household, that means, that means there's messes. You got a new baby, babies make messes. So anytime something is fruitful and life-giving, yeah, there, there comes a mess with it. Um, the proverb, wherever, uh, where, wherever the stall is empty, the barn is clean. Am I getting this right? But wherever the oxen is, But you got to do work. I can't remember the proverb. But the point is, oh, look at how clean the barn is. Yeah, you don't have any ox in there. We got an ox. Well, now you got the strength for work. So like the ox, man, I can't remember what the verse is. I'm like tempted to Google it right now. Where there is no ox, the stable is clean. But with the strength of the ox comes whatever. Anyway, you want life. Fool me, can't get fooled again. That's what I feel like right now. Remember that, remember that Bush quote? That George Bush quote? Anybody? Anyway. What is it, Sherry? Read it. Where there are no oxen, the manger is empty, but from the strength of the ox come abundant harvest. There we go. Yeah, you want the large harvest? Yeah, well, the stable's going to be clean. You're going to have to muck some stalls. Okay? Oh, I don't want to muck stalls. All right, do you want harvest? Do you want an ox? Like that beast can get a lot of work done. So uh, we we don't want any we don't want any uh we don't want any issues. We don't want anybody to miss it. We don't want any we don't want any excess. We don't want to look like the people we've seen on TV. That's most of the time what people are reacting to. They're reacting to some extreme that they've seen, so they throw out the baby and the bathwater. We're not throwing out the babies. We throw out bathwater around here. Dirty bathwater, we it's gross. Let's get rid of it. If any shows up, it's okay. 
we'll get rid of it. But you know what you do have when you have dirty bath water? You have a clean baby. <laughs> so you, you, you can't have one without the other. You got a dirty baby? We want a clean baby. We'll throw out dirty bath water. That is our approach to the gifts. We're not ashamed. We're not afraid. This is not an apology. This is not a disclaimer. This is not a, now guys, we're going to tread lightly forward. No. If we ask him for a loaf of bread, he won't give us a serpent. If we ask him for a fish, he won't give us a snake, a rock. Mixed up my (laughs) serpent, a snake. Same thing. I promise I've read the Bible. I know it doesn't seem like it this morning. So we're going to emphasize not structure, structure, structure. We're going to come towards the direction and say, life, life, life. Lord, do it. Lord, say it. Lord, move. Lord, we're open. Lord, help us. So in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7 is where I want to take a look now. A couple verses down. To each, to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So here Paul's getting ready to get into all the spiritual gifts. But we're just going to pause right in this verse. To each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We've got a lot of explanation and help actually right here in this verse. So my first question is, who are the gifts given to? The gifts of the Spirit, who are they given to? To each one, right? This isn't a trick question. The gifts are given to each one. The gifts are not for, quote, super spiritual people or full-time ministry people. The gifts are for each one. The life of any believer, the life of every Christian, the life of every disciple, no matter how young they are. Who's the youngest here? Hudson? Hudson? How old are you? Six. You're not six. You just had a birthday, silly. Oh, right. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) You just turned seven. So the gifts of the Spirit are for Hudson to operate in. The gifts of the Spirit are are for, who's the oldest? Any takers here? My dad. <laughs> Sherry's like, don't look at me. <laughs> Mitzi's like, me what? this morning. <laughs> so it doesn't, wherever we, that, are the gifts for me? Yes, 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 obviously, definitely. The Holy Spirit's not picking and choosing. He's going, mm, no, there's only a certain quality of person there for the saints. That's the purpose of the gifts. So now to each one, each one, that means every one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So what are these gifts? He calls them the manifestation of the Spirit. So the gifts of the Spirit are, let's use that word, a manifestation. That's not a word we use a lot of times as a kids. A manifestation. It's kind of a strange word. So what's a manifestation? A manifestation is like a display or a message or a showing up. You know, I hoped for the thing. I thought about the thing. Now, oh, here it is. It's manifested. I can see it. I can touch it. I can experience it. So what are the gifts? They are manifestations. They are instantaneous. Instantaneous enablement from the Holy Spirit. Where a person, a saint, can be a delivery method of the Lord's will and the Lord's message. That's what it is. It's an instantaneous thing where the Holy Spirit says, hey, right now. Hey, here's what I'm going to say. Caden, this is what you got. This is from the Holy Spirit. And now you've got this impression. You've got this direction. You've got this leading. And then all of a sudden, Nina, I've got this. Hmm, the Holy Spirit is saying this thing, doing this thing. This is a, that's a manifestation where he wants to show his power. Why does he want to do it? Now, they are given to each one the manifestation. Who is it given to? Each one. What is it? It's a manifestation of the Spirit. Why is it given? 
for the common good. Why is it given? Why are the gifts of the Spirit given? So we can be like, look at me, I'm super spiritual. No, the gifts of the Spirit are given for the common good. What does that mean? To bless everybody for the common good, for the, for the community, for the church. The purpose of the gifts of the Spirit, promoting spiritual growth, to bless the church and witness to the world. Not complicated stuff, really simple. They come from God, they're for everybody, to bless everybody. What is it exactly? Well, it's a, it's a showing up of the Holy Spirit. Well, what might that look like? I'm glad you asked. There's nine different ver- uh, gifts that he lists, different expressions. A lot of times it will be a, an audible message that someone will share with someone else. There's other times where it's an impression of faith and just an unshakable confidence. Other times it's a miraculous work that takes place, that the laws of nature are defied by the creator of nature. And, um, or it could be something like a, a healing, which is also a miracle, of course, um, a special healing. So though, though, to give you an idea there, a person asking, that's what it would look like. That's, how, that's what it could sound like. That's how it may be experienced or fleshed out. So there's a diversity of gifts. Now, uh, down, down or back up to verse 4, chapter 12, verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Again, emphasizing this is for everyone. This is everybody. This is Christianity 101. Well, it hasn't been our experience. Yeah, I know. But we're not looking at our experience. We look to the word of God. And then our experience will start to obey that as we understand what the Lord wants. So there's a diversity of gifts. Some think that there may actually be more than these nine listed here. I guess I suppose that's possible, but we're going to stick with what the Holy Spirit saw fit to define. So we know there's nine gifts, and these have been categorized into three different categories. Three gifts that discern something. Three gifts that, that uh, when we say discern, we could say perceive. Three gifts that discern, <clears throat> discern something. Three gifts that do something. And three gifts that declare something. So for the next three weeks, that's where we're going to unpack the three, the three, the three. Today, we're looking at the three discerning gifts. The three gifts that discern something. What are those three gifts of the Spirit? The first is discerning of spirits. The second is a word of wisdom, or we could say a message of wisdom. And the third is a word of knowledge, or we could say a message of knowledge. Discerning of spirits a word of wisdom, or a word of knowledge. So let's start with our first one, discerning of spirits. What is this particular, keep Boxer going there, what is this particular gift, discerning of spirits? Discerning of spirits, in this spiritual gift, the Holy Spirit is making a believer aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. It's pretty simple. Well, does that mean this? Does that mean that? It doesn't, we we don't get to define the terms of how he does it. But discerning of spirits is simply the Holy Spirit making a believer aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. What's the purpose of the gifts? Well, we already know what the purpose of the gift is, right? It's for the common good. So if the Holy Spirit's revealing something, it's for a purpose. He wants us to do something. In the case of the presence of a demonic spirit, it's pretty obvious 
What are we supposed to do with that? Exactly what Jesus did with that. The, exactly what Paul did with that. To use the authority of King Jesus to bless somebody who is being oppressed or possessed or influenced or a situation. It, it, there may be a spiritual situation. The, the unseen world, there's a lot of mystery there. There's some things we see in Scripture where we're going, man, what is going on? This is unique. You know, Daniel prays, the Lord sends the angel. He says, I was sent 21 days ago, but I've been warring with the prince of Persia, you know, and ever since you prayed, you're like, this angel's been fighting this demon for 21 days while Daniel's praying. You're like, this is whack. Like, but this is real. So there are, you know, there are demonic presences. There are angelic presences. This is, this is the world we live in. We are literally at war. King Jesus has already won, but we're still establishing his kingdom. We still establish it. So the Holy Spirit may say, hey, there's a demonic presence. And it may not be like over there, like in that field. It might not be, oh, at so-and-so's house. I mean, it could be higher level. The Lord could show you something. Or it could be, hey, your cousin so-and-so is experiencing this. It, it could be a, 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 dem, a demonic, an evil, an evil spirit has been influencing this situation at work. You thought it was just their personality and your personality, and the Holy Spirit could show you that's not what's going on. Yeah. What's actually going on is there's a demonic presence that is influencing this situation. And now you go, oh, the Lord has shown me something. For what? For the common good. And now I can speak directly. A lot of times as Christians, we will kind of try and cover all those things through prayer, which I don't think is wrong. I speak against any demonic presence that's operating with this situation. And I crucify the flesh. And we're just checking the boxes, right? We're trying to go through. And that's not wrong. But how much better is it even when the Holy Spirit brings clarity and shows you this is what's happening? And then you can with boldness say, this is exactly what has to happen now. In the name of Jesus, you must leave. And whenever we command demons to leave, that's what they do uh, when we do it in the authority of Christ. So the Bible teaches that non-Christians can be demon-possessed. They can also be demon-influenced. Interestingly, though, Christians can even be influenced by evil spirits, can be impacted to some degree. In Acts chapter 16, do we have an example of this? In Acts chapter 16, we see Paul and Silas. They're preaching, they're teaching, they're spreading the gospel. They're being followed for many days, the scripture says, by a girl who is following and yelling and basically preaching, saying, these men are servants of God, proclaiming the way of salvation. She follows them for days saying this. That is a true statement, what she's saying. How, however, after a few days, it says, Paul, greatly annoyed, <laughs> turns to her and casts the demon out of her. How did Paul know this girl had a demon? What bad fruit was there in her life? I don't see any. Listen to these men. They preach the way of salvation. They preach the way of the Most High God. Now, what's up with that demon? I don't understand why he's saying what he's saying. I don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. But the point is, how does Paul know she had an evil spirit? She was actually saying something true. It was the Holy Spirit who made Paul aware. Why? For the common good, for the purpose of blessing her, for the purpose of setting her free, for the purpose of advancing the kingdom. That's what Jesus does. And of course, it ended up creating quite a controversy and quite a stir after that, which of course brings more attention to the message. So we command evil spirits with the authority of King Jesus and they have to obey as well. I mean, wouldn't you want to know if an evil or a demonic spirit was working against your family or your business? The Holy Spirit will reveal all truth to us and we can act accordingly. 
So some people are like, am I going to see something? Am I gonna... Let's be clear. This is not suspicion. Yeah. This is not like, what was that noise? No, 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 no. That is not. The Holy Spirit, when he talks to us, we don't feel fear. Amen. We don't fear like the Holy Spirit can show you something and he can be like, hey, you see this over there? And on your own, naturally, that may have been something that would have been intimidating. But if the Holy Spirit shows you something, you're going, okay, like I'm, I'm equipped and armed to handle this thing. This is not like, did you see that? Uh, uh, uh. This is not, this is none of that. If the Lord shows you something or reveals something, you may discern it. I I saw it with my eyes. Okay. But even then, if it's from the Holy Spirit, there will be a peace and a clarity and he'll be, Hey, I want you to see this. And then you go, I can deal with that. Or maybe you just have a knowing. We don't get to make the terms. We don't get to put him in and say, here's how I require you to do this thing. But what do we want? We want to be open and say, Lord, uh, show me what's going on here. Show me what's going on. And then he may reveal to you, yeah, there's, there's demonic influence here. And you may, it may be subtle. What, you, what we will find and what I'm learning when it comes to all of the gifts, the Lord grows us, y'all, just like he does in everything else, progressively. Progression, progression, progression. Be faithful and then more. Be faithful and then more. We're commanded later. We'll get to this when we get to prophecy. Prophesy according to the measure of your faith. Prophesy according to the measure of your faith. I want to prophesy about, you know, international issues. Maybe start with wherever you are. Definitely start with wherever you are. Prophesy. I want to prophesy. Okay, but do it in accordance to the measure of your faith. So make sure that you're saying what exactly what the Lord says. Don't add to it. Don't, don't confuse it. Only go with what you've got. Don't let your imagination take off from there. What's the Lord revealed to you? Trust that, but don't go beyond it. Well, I want the Lord to be faithful with that. That's how you get more clarity. That's how you get more light. That's how he'll bring more revelation. Be faithful with whatever may even seem to be the small thing, and then he'll bring more. That's discerning of spirits. Now, we're going to talk about the gift of uh, a word of wisdom. A word of wisdom, or we could say a message of wisdom. Again, a Holy Spirit thing. Oh, let me go back to discerning of spirits real quickly. I just want to clarify. This is not the gift of discernment. There is no such spiritual gift called discernment. I've got the gift of discernment. Well, it's good to be discerning. Christians should be discerning people. Uh, We should grow in wisdom as our mind is renewed with the word of God. We should discern good from evil. That's not the same thing as discerning of spirits. Discerning of spirits is a Holy Spirit-inspired moment where the Holy Spirit shows or reveals and helps you to discern or understand the presence of something evil. But it's not the gift of suspicion. I've got the gift of discernment. Darren, I want to talk to you. I'm, I think Brandon's up to something. You know, I've been discerning that. And no, that's, that's, not, that's not a spiritual gift. That's, that's just gossip and nonsense. Yes, Sherry. Right. Yeah, it's not listed as a spiritual gift. Now, discernment is a thing, just like wisdom is a thing, right? Like wisdom exists, but that's not the same thing as a word of wisdom. Discernment is a thing. Discerning, perceiving a situation, that's, that's a thing, but that's not the same thing as discerning of spirits. The gift of the spirit is discerning of spirits. What's that? That is the Holy Spirit saying, there's an evil spirit going on here. There's a demonic presence here. Got it. Thank you, Lord, discerning of spirits. Now, I want to keep growing in discernment of situations and all kinds of things. The word of God, what you, ha- you name it. Does that make sense, Sherry? So, now, word of wisdom. Like we said, wisdom is a thing. We want to grow in wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. This is not that. 
This is a Holy Spirit-inspired message. This is a Holy Spirit-inspired revelation. So how are we defining word of wisdom? Word of wisdom is a divine answer or a solution for a particular question or a challenge. It's a divine answer or a solution. Are you taking my water, boy? Or a solution for a particular question or challenge. It could be knowing from the Holy Spirit the right. It could also be knowing from the Holy Spirit the right thing to say or the right thing to do. It may not be for somebody else. It may be directly for you where the Holy Spirit just brings you a word of wisdom and you have the answer in the moment. And you go, that was the Lord. That very well could have been a word of wisdom. You're like, I didn't think that thought. I've never thought that thought. That did not come from my own natural learning or my own perception. That was actually the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced many saints have actually operated in the gifts without ever knowing that they were the gifts. Because the gifts were always over here with, and then the saints were like, oh, I've got is the Holy Spirit leading me and telling me what to do. Like, hey, congratulations. That'll work. Uh, We'll go with that. So in the book of Acts, we see the Holy Spirit tells Paul he's on the ship. Uh, The Holy Spirit reveals to Paul about the crew. They're going to sneak off the ship during this storm, taking the only lifeboat, leaving the Roman guards and Paul behind to die on the ship. And the Holy Spirit reveals that to Paul. That's a word of wisdom that Paul is able to bring to the Romans. Say, hey, you better keep everybody on the ship. And the Lord said, if you do, then we will all live. What was the purpose? For the common good. For the common good. The Lord brings a solution to Paul that he wouldn't have known. This wasn't a natural understanding thing that he had. He didn't, hey, I overheard them talking. No, the Holy Spirit brought solution to a particular situation. So this gift has probably been in operation many times, like whenever I told you, wow, the Lord was just giving me the right words, uh, but I know it wasn't me. That can happen because it doesn't have to be dramatic. Nowhere in the scripture does it say it does have to be dramatic. So I gave you all the example a few weeks back whenever I had gotten fired from my job and I was back and forth. I feel like I felt peace. I felt peace, like the, the gentle peace, the still small voice, like this seems like the right thing. But I didn't feel like I had a word from the Lord. I felt like this seems right. I should start my own business and go in this direction. <sighs> What was stopping me? My head, fear, you know, tradition, expectations. That stuff was pulling me back. I was like, this seems right, but this, but this seems right. Always follow the Holy Spirit. But what a gift when Danita Allen walked up to me that day with a word of wisdom, a message of wisdom. And she said, hey, I've got something, I think, from the Lord for you. I'm like, okay, what is it? She said, do the obvious thing. Do the obvious thing. And I was just like, oh, thank you. Like, I knew, and, 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 and I, now I know it was such a blessing. It was such a, a joy. And she didn't go, she just said, I was praying for you, and the Lord brought this to me. And I feel like, do the obvious thing. Do the thing you know to do. Don't follow the rabbit trails. And I was like, oh, totally free. What a gift. What a joy. What was that? That was a divine answer and a solution for a particular question or a challenge. That's what that was. That's word of wisdom. Yes, that's a word of wisdom, message of wisdom. And again, it, it may be for someone else or it may just be for you. Yes, sir. Um, I still have no idea, like you said, that demons took 
Demons are strange. They respond to Jesus because he is so powerful and he's so strong and they respond to the Holy Spirit. So they are afraid of God. So I think that that demon, whenever he was, uh, had that little girl saying those things, when he was possessing her and controlling her, I think that that demon was reacting. Just like Hudson, whenever Jesus showed up one place and a man was possessed by demons, the man came running up to him and he said, I know who you are, son of the most high God. Please don't torment me yet. And Jesus says, shut up and come out. So the demons, I think, are almost having a freak attack, it seems like, because they're so terrified of God and what he's going to do to them and what they know is coming. But I don't know much more about it than that, buddy. I'm not sure why. I haven't studied out to find out why demons may react that way. Okay? We can talk more about it later. So the Holy Spirit gave Danita a divine answer or a solution for my particular question or challenge, which, by the way, she knew nothing about. Absolutely nothing about. Didn't know about job loss. Didn't know about transition. She just said, do the obvious thing. She didn't even know it was with work, but I knew what the Lord was doing, and I knew what the Lord was saying. It was exactly what I needed in that moment. And then the third gift that we're looking at today, the third, so we're looking at the discerning gifts. One of those is called discerning of spirits. One of those is called a word of wisdom. And this third one is called a word of knowledge or a message of knowledge, we could say. A word of knowledge is the Holy Spirit allowing you to know something specific that you didn't learn by natural means. You now know something specific, an instantaneous gift from God. You know something. You just know it all of a sudden that you didn't know on your own. The Holy Spirit gave it to you. Why would he do that? For the common good, for the building up of the church, for the building up of the saints. But you didn't know it by natural means. This is a supernatural transfer of information that you couldn't possibly know through a natural process. So Jesus, with the Samaritan woman at the well, whenever he's talking to her, he said, oh, you have said well that you have no husband. Actually, you've had five husbands, and the man you're living with now is not your husband. So you have spoken truly. And she's going, (laughs) and then, of course, what was her testimony? Come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. So what was happening here? Jesus is operating in the gift of word of knowledge. So quick side note with that, Jesus was fully God and fully man. So we're taking a sidebar off of our word of knowledge just to explain to you how Jesus ministered, how he chose to minister. This is not like he was limited by someone else. He could have done anything, but here's how he did it. He was fully God and fully man, but he did not live his life accessing his godhood. Can you prove that with the scriptures? That's a good question. It's the only question that matters. We're not diving super deep into this, but I'm going to give you a quick uh, teaser on that. So Philippians 2 tells us that he emptied himself of all of his rights and privileges as, as God taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Do we have any other evidence? Yes, we do. Why? Because Jesus didn't perform a single miracle until after the Holy Spirit descended upon him after his baptism. I feel like that's a pretty strong case to say that he wasn't just... Because I, as a child, I remember reading the Bible, and anytime I saw Jesus do anything, it was just like, well, he's Jesus. You know, he's God. And many of my beloved brothers and sisters throughout the body of Christ have that approach Um, And they just say, that's God. Of course he can do anything. First of all, yes, he is God. Absolutely always was. Um, And yet he strips himself of those rights and privileges. And the scripture also tells us 
God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit so that he could perform the works of his ministry. So that's the significance of his manness, is that he actually operated as a man. He didn't cheat. So in conquering sin and never sinning, he didn't cheat. He didn't, he didn't go, well, of course you didn't sin. You're God. Like that would have defeated the purpose to my brothers and sisters who have that view of like, well, he's God. So of course he's not going to sin. That's a misunderstanding. And that wouldn't be as victorious because, but instead he lives as a man anointed by the Holy Spirit. Again, quoting scripture, uh, who had stripped himself and, and didn't keep himself in the place that he could have. This is the significance. Are you saying he's not God? Of course not. 100% God, 100% man. 200% Jesus. So that was a quick side note to explain to you like, you're like, wait, you're saying Jesus was operating in the gifts of the Spirit? I absolutely believe that. And that is absolutely what I think the Scripture teaches. So that was my point here. Back to the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus having a word of knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I don't believe that Jesus was sitting around, walking around on earth with constant knowledge of every single thing all over the whole wide universe. He knows about that one little moon rock on the backside of, of the moon and like and Mars and the universe and like this place, you know, the, like Deltaville, although it wouldn't have been called that back then. I don't know what Indian tribe would have been. I don't think Jesus is walking around with just the constant universal. Yeah. I, I think that was set aside. Are you saying he was limited? I'm saying he limited himself. No one can limit him. I'm not saying he was weak. I'm saying he laid aside. Again, I'm dead. I didn't pull that out of thin air. I think that's what the word teaches. So I don't want to belabor that point. But there's some who's like, I think he's thinking about every single leaf that's coming down. Like, if I'm wrong, he'll show me and he'll be able to do it from his own word. And uh, I'm just trying to clarify what I, what I see here. So, so the woman at the well has a word of knowledge that she gets to receive. The point was not to embarrass her in her sin. That's not the point. That's not God's heart. The point is to bless her, to help her, and set the captives free from their sin. In 1 Corinthians 14, turn a page here, go to verse 24 and 25. So he's talking about the gifts of operation here in the church. He's saying, but if all prophesy and any unbeliever or an outsider enters, so you're all prophesying in the church and an unbeliever comes in, an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. That's a first time visitor ministry, isn't it? Like just prophesying people sin to him as they come. Hey, you know what you were doing last night? The Lord just showed me. Uh, but that's not to shame or to condemn anyone. But that's, but that's what Paul was saying. Like, that'd be awesome. He's like, that'd be the best thing. Instead of all y'all talking in tongues, everybody's like, we don't know what they're saying. He's like, I, he's like, I wish that you would prophesy. Yeah. He said, and then... People can know that surely God is among you. Fall on their face and go, Lord, you see me, you know me, forgive me, receive me. And that's, the, that's his point. It's for the common good. He wants to be a blessing. Can you keep Voxer going? I'm gonna, I need to use my phone for a second because I want to read something to y'all. So still talking about uh, a word of knowledge here. I want to just read an example of what word of knowledge looked like. This is a book, a book, a great book I recommend, by the way. It's called The God I Never Knew, an excellent book by a pastor named Robert Morris. And in the book, he talks about the Holy Spirit 
and how he grew up not knowing about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the weird uncle. We kind of we're sorry that he exists. Um, you know, no one would actually admit to that, but in practice, that's how it comes across. So in the book, he talks about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In the book, he, he talks through uh, the nine gifts of the Spirit, does a beautiful job, but also shares some helpful context. So in this book, he shares this story that I'm going to read to you. where a word of, uh, word of knowledge operates through him. And again, even as we read this story, remember, we start where we are. I think this principle remains, just like I said, the principle of uh, you prophesy in proportion to the faith that you have. I think that's going to be true for all of us and all the gifts. So I think sometimes we hear from people who have been walking in those things for a long time, and we think they're amazing. I don't think it's that they're amazing. I just think they are practiced. I think they are experienced. You know, a little kid, they don't look at, you know, Michael Jordan and go, oh, I could never. They go, I'm going to be, you know. But sometimes as adults, we're just like, oh, they've done this. Well, we, we can grow, but that will, take, that will take time. That will take faithfulness. This is a kingdom principle. But I think we're going to see the same thing happen in our own lives as we're faithful. The Lord is eager to please people, or not to please people. The Lord is eager to give these gifts to people who are eager to please the Lord. So in this book, uh, Robert Morris is telling this story. I was once in a cafeteria eating a meal with my wife, Debbie, when I observed a muscular fellow and a lady I I later learned was his wife carrying their trays to an empty table near us. The moment my eyes fell on this gentleman, so he's minding his own business, just eating lunch with his wife. Maybe they're out shopping for the day. Who knows where they're at? The moment my eyes fell on this gentleman, I knew something about him. I recognized this knowledge as coming from the Holy Spirit because I'd never seen this man before in my life. I also knew that the Holy Spirit doesn't give us such knowledge without good reason. God loved this man and wanted to help him. Over the years, I've learned how to act on supernatural insights like these without seeming weird or creepy. As I've said, my friend, the Holy Spirit isn't weird. He just wants to see people free and whole. I got up and walked over to this couple's table and said, Excuse me, you don't know me, but I'm, may I ask you a question? The man looked a little startled, but he said, Sure. Have you ever lifted weights? I asked. Now, this wasn't a supernatural insight on my part. I needed a humorous, humorous icebreaker. Anyone looking at this beefy man would have de- deduced that he spent a lot of time in the gym. I later learned that he was actually a former bodybuilder who had won a Mr. America title at one point. He and his wife chuckled, and then he said, uh, yeah, I've done a little weightlifting. Well, this might sound strange to you, I followed up, but I believe God told me something very personal and important about you. I wonder if you'd mind if I shared it with you. His eyes got very big, and he looked at his wife for a moment. Then he said, sure, pull up a chair. He said, get out of here. I don't want to hear about you and your God. <laughs> right? No. Friendly person just comes up to him. He didn't say, <laughs> He said, hey, man, you know, you don't know me. Lunch is good. You know, he found his just a way to say, hey. So he sits down. The Holy Spirit showed me a picture. All right, keep it together. Keep it together, Joe Michael. The Holy Spirit showed me a picture of you when you were a young boy. I saw you sitting in your grandmother's lap and you were crying. She told you that God could make you strong like Samson if you promised to serve him. I saw you make that commitment to serve God and honor him with your life. Well, God told me to tell you that he kept his end of the deal, but that you didn't keep your promise. 
The man looked at me for a couple of seconds with such a blank look on his face that I wondered if I missed it. This certainly wasn't a guy I wanted to offend. (laughs) But just as I was beginning to pray for a quick escape, his chin began to quiver and big tears started rolling down his face. He looked at his wife and she began to cry as well. And then John Michael started crying. (laughs) As it turned out, he had just been telling her that story. He said, sir, I was raised by my grandmother. My father left when I was born, and my mother left a few years later. One day when I was about eight, some boys were throwing rocks at me just to be mean. One hit me in the head and put a gash in it, and I went home crying. That's when my grandmother sat me in her lap and told me the story of Samson. I promised God that if he'd make me strong, I'd serve him all the days of my life. I was just telling my wife that I've been thinking about that promise lately, but I didn't even know how to approach God. I led both of those people to the Lord on the spot, and they were baptized the next week. In this instance, the Holy Spirit gave me a gift of a word of knowledge. Why would he do that? For the common good. Because he loves people. Because he wants to bless people. When we're out doing our thing, when we're thinking, oh, how do I break the ice? Well, the Holy Spirit's the ultimate icebreaker. He can tell you you were sitting in your grandma's lap crying when you were a child. The Holy Spirit knows everything. He knows everybody. And he loves everybody. So the gifts of the Spirit, the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit are for the blessing, for the encouragement, for the support, for the love, for the expansion of the kingdom so that people can be blessed, so that people can enjoy God's goodness, so that the kingdom can advance. I heard uh, somebody else recently talk about their church had just started to do what they were calling encounter services. So this is a church that uh, had always shied away from the gifts of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And it was always just like, the whole congregation is just like, are you serious? We're actually going in this direction. And they started what they called encounter services. So it's like a Friday night where it's like, we're just going to ask the Lord. Just, we're going to just, we're, we're practicing. We're saying, Lord, we're here. Do it. You're like, we're open. Say something, do something. And this guy, this is like one of the first services, and he's just standing there worshiping and just seeking the Lord, saying, Lord, like whatever you would want to say and do, you know, we know that you've got things to say. That's the other thing. We, we actually expect that he wants to talk. Well, why would we think that? Well, the word of God says his thoughts towards us are so many. They're like, they're greater than the sands on the seashore. What are the chances that he wouldn't want to share one of those with us? You know, like, so it's not even wrong to just be with another believer or to just be with a friend and say, can I just pray for you? And then to even just say, Lord, would you, would you share, let me see your thoughts towards so-and-so right now? Or don't you be conjuring nothing up, brother? I'm not conjuring anything up. I'm asking the Lord to reveal what already is. The Holy Spirit reveals truth. So he's praying, he's worshiping. And as he's praying and worshiping, He just sees the word. And again, the Holy Spirit can deliver it any way he wants. He can show you a picture. It can just, I know, it can be any way he wants to do it. But he's like, he said, I just saw the word ovaries. And he's like, really, Lord? Can we do something like, I'm just supposed to go up in front of the church and say ovaries now? Like, could we maybe take a different approach? Can you give me a different, can you give me elbow? You know, can you give me like knee? You know, but ovaries. <laughs> so what does he do? He gets up in front of the church. He's like, all right, everybody. You know, I've been here since 6 a.m. Or it's like a Sunday night. It's like I preached four services. Um, then I stayed all afternoon and studied for my courses that I'm taking. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I just saw 
ovaries. I didn't like see ovaries, but I saw the word ovaries. Like, does that mean anything to anybody? Does that bless anybody? Well, in the moment that he said that, uh, one of the women in his church raised her hand and said, as soon as you said the word ovary, my ovaries started burning, which you would think that's terrible. No, but that's the power of God. The Holy Spirit was doing something. Why didn't he just, I don't know. I don't make the rules and I didn't write the book, but I'm seeking to obey and want to follow him. So again, it may not look how I want it to look. Oh, I want to have a story. Like, I don't, we don't get to decide. Yeah. He gives the gifts as he wills. Amen. Remember, we don't possess any of these gifts full time. The Holy Spirit is the possessor of the gifts 100% of the time. And he'll say, hey, uh, I'm using this. You're the vessel for the moment. You're the vessel for the moment. You're the, you're the funnel. You're the straw. And he said, I'm dropping it in. And you're just going to shoot it out to whoever. Maybe it's straight to you. And it's not even for anybody else. Danita, you're not the possessor of words of wisdom. I am. Danita, you're open to me, though. You love me. You love my church. Here, send this one to John Michael. And she's like, does this mean anything to you? And I'm like, yes, it does. So the Holy Spirit is the possessor of the gifts. And we are the ones who seek to obey. So for our last few minutes here, and that's what we want to do each week. We don't want to just talk about it and go, man, that's cool. Maybe the Lord will do that with us someday. Well, let's expect him to do it right now. I have no pressure on me for anything to happen in these next 10 minutes. You have no pressure on you for anything to happen. Are we doing it right? Yeah, we're doing it right. Yeah, we're doing it right. Because we love God and we're just going to humble ourselves and say, Lord, whatever you would say, whatever you would do. So I'm just going to put on peaceful instrumental worship music. And we're just going to say, Holy Spirit, we love you. And we know if we ask you for a fish, you're not going to give us a stone. If we ask you for bread, you're not going to give us a serpent. And we ask for the Holy Spirit. And that's what Jesus was talking about in that example when he was saying that if we ask for the Holy Spirit, we're going to end up with the Holy Spirit. So that's who we're going to ask for. That's who is going to show up. And I expect in these next few minutes, he's going to have something. Oh, I'm not that bold. Well, be humble. It's not about being bold. Nobody, you don't have to be bold. I don't have to be bold when I'm hanging out with family. <laughs> I'm going to say it. Hi, Natalie. Good morning. <laughs> That's not boldness. That's just normal. I'm just talking to my family. So in the same way, when it's us here together, the saints, we're loving one another. We're caring for one another. We're seeking the Holy Spirit. So we're going to do that.